0: You know it seems like it's only been a couple of days since we've all been here together in this office in this building in this town
1: in this studio in
0: this very same studio. You have a new microphone I just learned.
1: I have a new microphone.
0: But now you have more wiring, is that? Mm-hmm. Katie, you're the producer. You tell us what the hell's going on over here with her.
1: The other mic's wire was just shorter, so I swapped them.
0: Length- oh, I thought it was going to be more exciting than that. Length matters. You know what? Let's just move along. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So here we are. Uh, My name is Scott Wright. I am a mediocre journalist. You're listening to True Crime on Easy Street.
1: I'm Kelly Turner, and I am not a doctor. I'm Katie Evans. I'm not a lawyer, and I also have a terrible voice. I apologize for
0: Wow. That's going to be a hurdle for us to have to clear tonight. And so it doesn't matter to the listeners out there. Guys, let me tell you this right now. Nothing is going to change for all of you who are listening, but we are going through some changes here in the studio because- uh, our schedules are, it's it's back to school time.
1: Our schedules are crazy.
0: They're crazy, right? So uh, Katie is going back to school to become a lawyer. So first of all, she's going to screw up the whole intro to this whole fucking show, which has already got me pissed off.
1: I'm still stressed. I
0: told you last week, I'm going to try to get her disbarred as soon as she gets, <laughs> as soon as she passes the bar, I'm starting to work on that. <laughs> so what you may start to notice as... Katie progresses through her legal career, it's not going to make any difference to any of you out there who are listening to us. We're still going to be every Wednesday, even if we're doing something weird behind the scenes, recording on Saturday mornings or Sunday nights or Tuesday at 2 a.m. I don't know. We're still working that out. But what you may start to notice over time is that Katie starts to sound more lawyerly (laughs) as we go along. Mm -hmm. She may start to use terms like, I object or move to strike. Oh my God. And now I'm afraid she's going to reach across the desk and physically (laughs) strike me. So maybe we should just move along to the next thing. So uh, Kelly, you are in charge. You're in the big chair tonight. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I wrote down half a page of notes. And when I say half a page of notes, I mean, I wrote down in really big words, one person's name and Mm -hmm. where this happened. And that's all that I have. So Mm -hmm. um, drum roll, please. We don't have that loaded. Kelly, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, this week, we are going to talk about a case that happened in the state of Alabama. So, we're bringing it back to Alabama. We do Once that from again, time to time. We do. And, and every case that we do, we try to find an Alabama tie. And sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not. But this one happened in the state of Alabama. And this there's not a lot of information out there. So, this episode may be... A little bit shorter than
0: but there usual. is a good reason for that that you will get to and i, I did yeah. enough information or enough research today to know why that information is the way that it is but yeah. i'll let you do that
1: yeah i think it's important that we do this case because shannon's story deserves to be told and i'm talking about shannon polk p-a-u-l-k okay Shannon Polk, who was an 11-year-old girl who went missing from Prattville, Alabama in August of 2001. So, we start with who lives in her home and we work our way out. I also have a timeline of the events.
0: You're talking about potential suspects um, we or think, just laying just like the land. Mm-hmm. I got you. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: No, that's fine. I'm getting the majority of this timeline information from a Justice for Shannon Polk Facebook page.
0: I found that today while I was trying to do just a little bit of peripheral research, just so that I didn't sound like a complete idiot, although I think I did when I just tried to pronounce peripheral.
1: (laughs) Well, this Facebook page is really well- Okay. Done? Is that a well done? Well done. Well done. done. Yeah. Like a steak. Mm. That's a terrible way to eat a steak. But anyways. It is. There's a lot of really good information on this Facebook page. And I will end the show today giving you the secret witness line, a direct line to a detective, an email, all of that. If you have any information that you think... Might not even be relevant.
0: There's still an active attempt in the Prattville community to try and get to the bottom
1: of what happened, of what's to going
0: on here mm-hmm. or what did go on. Exactly. Okay.
1: So the timeline begins. We begin at the Candlestick Mobile Home Park in Prattville, Alabama. The people who live in this mobile home are Marie Stroud, age 41, who is Shannon's mother. Okay lisa who is age 16 who is shannon's sister and we have caleb who is 11 months old and as i understand that is actually shannon's nephew i don't know i know that shannon has another sister who's older than lisa Mm -hmm. and i was a little bit unclear if caleb belongs to lisa or an another sister so i don't want to say any information that's wrong so I'm just going to say there is a, a baby nephew okay named Caleb who lives in the home as well and prior to August 16th 2001 the family goes to Montgomery they have a fun day normal day shopping they're getting ready for back to school as you do and you know early August the Shannon's aunt Jeanette says that she bought her some items for the upcoming school year and that Shannon was excited about school. It,
0: this, whole, this whole thing takes place just a few days before the new school year is about to start. It is not that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on Thursday, August the 16th, 2001, which is the day of the abduction, Marie leaves early that morning for work. She left at 5.30 a.m. to go to work. And Marie says that Shannon was asleep on the couch in the living room when she left that morning.
0: And she's 11 years old.
1: She's 11 years old. Okay. She says that she kisses her daughter goodbye. Her daughter does not wake up. If you, Mm. I think you can set off a firecracker next to an 11 year old at 530 (laughs) in the morning right? and they're not going to wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... Shannon doesn't wake up, and she moves on to work. And 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 she works at a
0: she's she works at a restaurant, right? I I think it's a barbecue restaurant Mm -hmm. in town.
1: So Shannon's sister Lisa, by the time she wakes up, she says Shannon's not there anymore. So she's sixteen. She's going to sleep a little later. She wakes up. Shannon's not home, but we do have some neighbors who talk about Shannon coming by. Their place there in the trailer park
0: she's a very friendly young girl
1: she is and the baby with that, time
0: on her hands because it's summertime correct yeah
1: and the baby that lives with them Caleb he goes with the mom she drops him off at the sitter when she leaves at five thirty so we're not just leaving a baby in the you know with
0: a 16 year old and an 11 year old
1: well and and the 16 year old I'm I'm unclear if it's her child or not, mm-hmm. still, you know, just trying to get all the information. And so I'm not really sure, but I do know that the mom leave leaves with the baby. Shannon leaves her home sometime that morning on the 16th. After the mother leaves and before Lisa gets up. She goes to the neighbors. She's going to pick up a baby walker. That belongs to her nephew. And so, if you think about the way a trailer park is set up, they're very close together.
0: Right. Typically, the neighbors. Sure.
1: There's many neighbors. and
0: It's kind of a little small community within a community.
1: It is. Everybody
0: kind of looks out for each other, takes care of each other. It is. If you need sugar or flour or.
1: And there's a lot of children around that Shannon, she's friends with them. She wants to. She has her friends there, so she's going to try to meet up with some of her friends and, and hang out before
0: school starts. Makes perfect sense to me.
1: So she goes to this neighbor's to pick up this baby walker that belongs to her nephew, Caleb. At approximately uh, 7.45 a.m., Shannon walks to her friend's house, which is in the candlestick trailer park. Her friend is unable to play at that time because she has gone with her dad on an errand now this is all of this is has been reported to this detective who runs this this facebook page and so he's put together this really nice timeline i will definitely reference him and give his information i will reference him in in the uh show notes so a friend of shannon's reports that she knocked on shannon's door sometime that morning because they had made a plan to hang out that day she knocks on the door Lisa comes to the door and says that Shannon is not at home. So, friend goes on about. Lisa being
0: business. the, she's the 16-year-old. The sister. Older the sister. sister. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: Approximately 9.30, the friend that Shannon had gone to see at 7.45 returns from her errand with her dad, and then she goes to see if Shannon can play now.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: This friend is told by Lisa Shannon's not at home as well. So a lot of movement going on in the in the park. Ten a.m. Shannon visits a neighbor that is also within that trailer park and stays for approximately 30 minutes. The neighbor reports that Shannon asked for a ride to the gas station just outside of Candlestick, which is the trailer park, but she's unable to take her at that time, but tells her, come on back. When my child wakes up, and I'll take you. Sure, yeah. I'm home with the with the child, Child asleep. When the child wakes up, come on back, we'll take you. Shannon told her that she was going to go home and see if her sister was awake. Maybe Lisa can take me. You know, she's wanting to go to the gas station.
0: She wants to buy candy. She's an 11-year-old girl. She's she probably got a couple of quarters jingling in her pocket. In 2001, you could probably still get a candy bar for 50 cents back then.
1: Yes. So at 11.45, approximately, Shannon stops by another neighbor's home. She has her nephew's walker in her hand.
0: The one that she's picked up.
1: Mm -hmm. She was very close with this particular neighbor and liked hanging out there. But on this day, the neighbor was waiting to be picked up for a doctor's appointment. So she told Shannon that she had to get ready for her doctor's appointment, and she didn't have time to to hang out that day. Was that Miss Mary? I believe so. Miss
0: Mary was the the older lady who lived in the trailer park who had a little puppy mm-hmm. that Shannon loved to come over and help bathe.
1: So, um, yeah. yeah, and so, because everybody's really close in this. Yeah, in this I mean,
0: community. that's what I'm getting at. Everybody in this little community, within a community.
1: And she says that she does remember seeing Shannon with the walker, go up to another neighbor's house, knock on the door. They didn't answer. And she watched as Shannon walks towards her own home now. And she's got the walker and she's kind of carrying it up on her head. You know how you just- Like it's a, folded up. Yeah, and she's yeah, sure. kind of balancing it on her head and yeah. she's walking.
0: She's goofing off like an 11-year-old person might do.
1: <laughs> yes. 12 p.m., Shannon goes to one last neighbor's home. And this particular neighbor had two sons, They were friends with Shannon. They answer the door, and they also are followed by their stepdad. Now, the stepdad tells Shannon that they are getting ready to leave. He's got to go to work at the Prattville Police Department. And they have a rule that Shannon can't come in and play with the boys unless a parent is at home. Okay. Because they're all about the same age, as I understand it. And I mean, that's just kind of a thing that you do with parents. It's, sure. You know. Yeah. You you want to make sure that you're there so that nothing happens and you're not at home. Any kind of accident. Kids are
0: curious and inquisitive and accidents are prone to happen.
1: Yeah. So that's that was the rule. And according to this particular neighbor, that was an understood rule. And so... She says, okay. And so, they are the last known people to see Shannon alive and well when she leaves their place around noon and heads on. All right. So, from 12.05 p.m. on that day to 7 p.m. is about when Shannon was abducted. So, we're looking at that window. But to even close that time, the high probability of her being abducted was actually between 12.05 p.m. and 1.15 p.m. Okay. Because. It's a narrow window. It is. And the reason for that is I, I keep mentioning this walker that she's holding and yeah, carrying. Yeah, okay. At one fifteen, the neighbor who heads out to work who told her, you can't come in and play. I've got to go to work, and the boys are going to be here. When that neighbor heads out to work around 1.15, he sees the walker laying on the curb. Red flag. Um,
0: Giant waving red flag.
1: It's by the curb of the, one of the neighbors that Shannon visited, and they did not uh, answer the door. Like she's knocking and no one answered. And then they see it laying by the curb of one of those mobile homes. Right. At two thirty PM, Marie, her mother, comes home from work and Shannon is not at home. She assumes Shannon is visiting with one of her friends. As we've already established, this is a very common thing for Shannon to go out visiting friends in the area.
0: In this trailer park where they all live together. It's in the summer. It almost sounds like when, when you're in college and you live in an apartment complex and everybody knows everybody and everybody's doors are open and you yes. just kind of mill about and talk to each other. But, I mean, we're talking about children here.
1: Yes. Well, and she wouldn't have a cell phone. No.
0: Not, I mean, in, not in 2001. Well, no. probably. Mo- no. Not no. that. No. Definitely
1: not an 11-year-old. Yeah, you're right. No. So, she doesn't really, the mother doesn't really think anything about it because she assumes that Shannon is visiting with her friends. Now, from 3 to 5 p.m., Marie and Lisa, or just Marie, so the detective is a little bit unsure of whether Marie and Lisa go on this trip or if it's just Marie, but it's a trip to Walmart, and she wanted to pick up a surprise for Shannon. She was not alarmed that Shannon was not home. She was assumed to be playing with friends and that she would be home for dinner. That was typically her pattern. Okay. Out playing with friends, would be home by dinner. Mom's not getting alarmed just yet.
0: I mean, I don't know how you guys grew up, but when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I mean, as long as I was home by dinner, we had bicycles, we lived in a neighborhood not like this exactly, but still friends in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Mom just said, hey, be home for dinner,
1: Mom said. Get out.
0: Yes, usually get out and be home for dinner. Be
1: home by dinner. Don't sit Probably in this house the all same day. Thing. Go find something. Go to Go do. do
0: something. get out of my hair. <laughs> we didn't have uh, we didn't have phones or the internet. We had a a crappy little uh, Atari system that was fun for fifteen or twenty minutes, but after that, not so much. So right. go out and play. Climb on trees and
1: go ride your something. bikes,
0: and I'll see you at dark. Right.
1: So, 6 30 to 7, Marie starts cooking dinner. And this is when she is going to start getting worried about Shannon because now we are getting into an area that is not typical. Mm. This is this time of day, Shannon not being home, something is up. So, mom starts to get a little worried. Now, at 7 p.m., mom is going to start knocking on doors, asking for Shannon. She calls Shannon's oldest sister, Tiffany, to come over and help look for her. Some of the neighbors are going to get wind of this, and then they're going to join in, and they're going to start going around, calling family, knocking on doors, asking if anyone had seen Shannon. Between approximately 7.30 and 8 p.m., Shannon's dad, Billy Polk, is called and informed that she is missing. Now Marie and Billy were in the process of a divorce and Billy currently was living in Eufaula, Alabama, which is about an hour and forty minutes away. So they're not thinking that Shannon went to her dad's. Right. Like he doesn't live they're just he he mm, doesn't live close enough to he just swings by. Right. And so they're they're calling him to let him know that she's missing and Probably by this time, you start grasping at straws. Is there, is there any way she's there? You know, yeah. it's, it's a nightmare of nightmares. You're, you're probably you're, hoping that he came and got her. You're hoping, yeah.
0: Yeah, really, do you have our daughter?
1: Yeah. So, 8.45 p.m., Shannon's uncle Charlie, along with her Aunt Jeanette and another uncle named James, they are going to be called in. They're going to start searching for Shannon as well. And finally, at 9 p.m. on that day, August the 16th, 2001, Marie is going to call the Prattville Police Department and report her missing. So it's it's time. mm -hmm. They've been looking for two hours. Everybody in their immediate area. Yeah, They don't know where she is. They're trying to find her. It's time to call the police. They've asked everyone
0: in that neighborhood, that little community that they trust, is she with you and she's not. And right. it's time to broaden the search.
1: It's time. At 9.15, the police officers arrived to take a statement. Now, for some reason, and I couldn't get a whole lot of detail on this, during this time when they are taking this statement, they have to just abruptly leave. So I don't know if you've got a case, probably kind of like here, where you have a very small police department.
0: Prattville's not a huge area of Alabama, not a big city.
1: And particularly in this area at 9 p.m., you have an even smaller police department because the majority of our police officers work during the day. That's right. And we have, what is it? literally skeleton
0: staff, I would call it.
1: Like one or two
0: Sure. Patrolling the areas, hoping that nothing goes wrong. And almost always around here, nothing does. And I bet you what, you know, you know what, I bet you in Prattville, almost nothing ever went wrong there either.
1: And so that's what I'm guessing yeah. is they're, they're probably experiencing something similar to what we would experience. So they have to leave abruptly now. At nine forty five PM, a member of the search party is gonna call Chief Alfred Wadsworth along with Mayor Jim Bird and they are going to show up because they left abruptly at the trailer a, park. Mm-hmm, they left abruptly at nine fifteen okay. and then at thirty minutes later they're calling going, Hey. Like hey
0: WTF, hey we got a missing girl here.
1: Exactly. Okay. And so they're going to come help search for Shannon and okay. actually finish the report. From 9.45 p.m. on August the 16th, 2001, until October the 6th, 2001, there is an extensive search effort. It is going to include the FBI, ALEA, all members of ALEA. That's, that's like the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency.
0: It is today. Mm-hmm. At the time, it wasn't as organized Mm -mm. as it is today, but still the state troopers and Mm -mm. sheriff's departments and everybody who's involved in law enforcement in the state of Alabama right, got organized and got motivated and got down there.
1: Right. And they are going to bring in volunteer canine teams during this time. This is from August to October. It's a long time. Yes. Civilians were organized. There were search parties. They're going to... Home that area of the candlestick trailer park and the surrounding areas. They're going to bring in helicopters. They're going to drag the pond that's in the center of the candlestick trailer park. And then there's also another pond nearby that's, that they're going to drag to try to look for Shannon. They put up a billboard and flyers. The week following Shannon's disappearance, a press conference was held. It's going to, they release a sketch and a description in two vehicles of a man believed to be seen with Shannon by two of her friends. Now, the reason I'm not going into a whole lot of detail about this sketch, this vehicle, and this man is because, fast forward to 2017.
0: All right, just five years ago.
1: And that's going to be concluded to be false information.
0: After all of that time.
1: Mm -hmm. And what that friend of Shannon's is going to say at this time, now that she's older. No. Is that she's going to recant and she's going to say that she was only trying to help. And the interaction they saw was actually not on the 16th.
0: So, so they had seen her so in the car with a man. In, in her zeal to help find her friend, mm-hmm. she made up some stuff.
1: She did. And she admitted to that. Okay. And so they're going to prove all of that fault. So that's why I'm not going forward with this sketch and these vehicles and anything like that. All right. Um right. Thousands of IDs have been searched in an attempt to locate this particular person of interest. Um, but they have not been identified publicly to date and it's probably a really good thing that they weren't because it turns out they're not the person yeah, of interest. Right. Right. Then on September the 11th, 2001. The oh, whole wow. world changed. The terrorist attacks happen and every attention shifts. Yeah. We still have, almost a month has gone by, and we still have a missing 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, the World Trade Centers go down, and the Pentagon is attacked. And
0: and Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. Yep,
1: and we are at war. And everybody is focused on that. And many speculate that that damaged this case. Oh, c-
0: yeah, certainly.
1: Now, even though publicly the... Police department investigators are saying no, it did not. Well,
0: you were sounding like you're inept if you admit that it was.
1: Yes, but they lost. The sheriff is an elected position. Yeah, they lost a lot of that FBI help. Yeah, Yeah, the FBI had had other priorities. They were all called back, Mm -hmm. and all of this volunteer stuff. You know, uh, everything just got shifted.
0: That's a great point because there's so many things that we've talked about on this podcast in the last uh, year. And we've certainly brought in the FBI, the behavioral science unit, and all of those things that we've talked about, and the way that that got going in the late 70s and early 80s. And then I wonder how much or how much of a hindrance it was for 9 11 to happen because they were helping with cases all over the country back then. And suddenly, just like Kelly just said, they had a a new, brand new priority. I wonder how many of those behavioral science guys got redirected into anti-terrorism.
1: Oh yeah, it, it you know, was. A I mean, total... John
0: Douglas, the biggest of them all, and we'll talk about him. We've talked about him plenty already. The the FBI profiler, uh, who's the focus of the Mindhunter series on Netflix, mm-hmm. and we will talk about him more in the weeks ahead. Uh, hint. But that all changed yes. on nine eleven.
1: Yes, I, I, people just. Didn't know what to expect. Everybody was being redirected. Everybody was reassigned. afraid that
0: the Sears Tower was going to come down, or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen next. We, everybody was freaking out. Yes. And I hate to say this, but your missing child just became a secondary priority which for the is, FBI,
1: which is so sad. And, I know. And, but, it, but you're absolutely right. But it's right. true. It's, That's it's what reality. Happens. They lost all of those resources. Yeah. In the, you know, now the local community. They did not stop searching. Right. They they were still out there trying to find Shannon, get some answers for this family. This was a very beloved little girl in this area. So they're still trying to find Shannon. At one point in time, there was a $30,000 reward for information, including a $10,000 donation from an actress. Now I may get this Name wrong, but it says Polly Perrette from NCIS, who is a former native to that area.
0: Really? and I don't I, know. I, I'm not an NCIS fan. I should be since we're doing a true crime podcast, <laughs> but I'm not. But I don't know. Is that the girl with the, with the, the black hair with the bangs? I think I you're would, thinking, I wouldn't would even dare to guess. I don't know. Because I don't watch the show. And
1: I hope I, I know I probably Our mispronounced. Producer yeah. No, that's Katie her. is looking it up. That's her. Is
0: that her? Oh. Okay. Okay.
1: So she, at one point in time, had donated $10,000. She's Abby on the shit. Life. Abby, okay. yes. All right. Yeah, As part yeah that's her. That's the... who I was
0: thinking. It was, a, it was a stone cold guess, but that's who I was thinking.
1: Nice guess. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: But it was part of that $30,000 reward, but according to this Facebook page, it is unknown if the reward is even still active because this was back in 2001, and, mm. you know, it's 2022.
0: True. And that, is she still on that show? Maybe she needs that 10 grand for herself at this point?
1: I don't know, but I, its it says it was a donation, so she donated okay. it so All right. still well, good there.
0: for her for doing it. yeah, and there's certainly and just briefly, I, I looked this up while you were talking a second ago. If you're not from Alabama and you don't know where Prattville is, find Montgomery mm-hmm. go about 20 minutes north on i sixty five. And you'll find Prattville, Alabama. And that's just the sort of, it's sort of in the middle of the state. I don't know if it matters, but Mm -hmm. if anybody listens to the show with a map Mm -hmm. or an atlas, do people still have atlases? No,
1: definitely not.
0: I do. Nobody else does, but I do. But anyway, it's sort of in the middle of the state. It's a town of about 36,000 people. So Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, not a fantastically large police force, probably a skeleton crew after nine o'clock. And so if somebody robs a convenience store or there's a three car crash in front of the Walmart, Mm -hmm. everybody, it's the panic button.
1: It's probably more, it's probably larger now than it was in
0: 2001. Probably so. Yeah.
1: yeah, Prattville is now a a pretty big suburb of
0: Montgomery. Montgomery is growing in that direction. That's Mm -hmm. true. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on an aside there.
1: No, that's fine. On October the 6th, 2001, two hunters, James Gulledge and Clifford Ziegler, found Shannon's remains in a remote hunting preserve about 12 to 19 miles from the Candlestick Trailer Park. Oh, wow. So, still in Prattville area. Mm-hmm. They reported to the media that Shannon had been placed under some brush in a trash bag. Oh. I know, guys. I'm sorry. Um, She was unclothed and tied with rope. Her clothes were in a bag in a pile, and that bag was also tied with rope. And her underwear was wrapped around her head. By the time they found her, basically the weather, the scavengers, I mean, she was almost skeletonized.
0: Yeah, it had been what, two months? It
1: had been
0: August almost, uh, yeah. and October. And
1: It's still very hot. And hot in Alabama. And
0: you're mirroring something that we're going to talk about in weeks ahead mm-hmm. that I'm not going to tease any more than that, but a very similar circumstance that that is a podcast that we're going to do down the road, but that's just, it, it, it breaks your heart because mm-hmm. first of all, what I hate about this the most, and I just wrote this down, the FBI was not able to get involved in this because the FBI was involved in the case that we're going to do a few weeks from now. Mm -hmm. And we're very key in determining who it was, or at least the profile of this person who committed this crime and a lot of similarities here. I mean, it's gotta be somebody local. It's gotta be somebody who knows the area. It's gotta be somebody who probably knew that trailer park backwards and forwards. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. But we'll never
0: know because 9-11 happened well and the FBI had other priorities. Actually,
1: actually they, they did have a profile.
0: Oh, good. Okay. I didn't know that.
1: So on-
0: I told you guys I was a dummy.
1: October the 11th, they actually release a profile of the suspect. The, the high points of that are more than likely one white male familiar with the Candlestick Trailer Park and that area of County Road 66, which is where the, her body was found near that hunting preserve- And they say that this area was chosen for a reason, probably the remoteness of it, Mm -hmm. and this person did not feel out of place there and wouldn't be questioned if he was there.
0: Yeah, you know, like he on the property or it was a hunter who had permission to be on it. I'm just making mm-hmm. up examples. Or just kind of, that, of had the- The things that we might hear around here if somebody was in a strange place. Hey, I, I hunt this property or-
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was, that, those were the high points of their, of okay. their profile. Well, I
0: didn't even know there was one. So at least there was some sort of profile. I just assumed that 9-11 wiped out any FBI assistance. Yeah. It, okay. it wiped out most of it. Yeah.
1: October the 19th, they held a funeral for Shannon, and she. it was held at the East Memorial Baptist Church in Prattville. She was buried in Brookside Memorial Gardens in Millbrook, Alabama. Fast forward to August 18th, 2006. They create a Shannon Polk Task Force and this task force is going to announce that they believe that Shannon's case is linked to two other cases. Okay. The first one is Heaven Lachey Ross. If you have listened to season one, you remember Katie mentioning Heaven Lachey Ross in an episode where we talked about, we each, we we talked about three cases in that episode mm-hmm. and we there was not enough information out on each of the cases to do a whole entire episode on each victim. Okay. But we here always feel like every victim's story should be told. Yes. So we mentioned Heaven Lachey Ross in our episode yes. last season. And uh, she, like Shannon, was an 11-year-old girl when she vanished. She vanished on August the 19th, 2003, apparently while walking to her school bus in the Willowbrook Trailer Park in Northport. S-
0: in Northport, if you are not familiar with Alabama, is a uh, that's just across the Black Warrior River from Tuscaloosa. So it's mm-hmm. over in the western central part of the state. A decent sized community, mm-hmm. uh, metropolis, I wouldn't say metropolis, but a decent sized community. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, not just out. It's not out in the middle of nowhere.
1: And did you hear some similarities to Shannon?
0: I did, yeah. 11, as you were saying that. 11 yes. years old. August. August. School.
1: Trailer Park.
0: Yeah. School's about to start back. Maybe that's, I mean, I don't know. I'm just grasping at straws like everybody else's, I guess. But that okay. seems suspicious to me.
1: They also link Shannon's case, this task force does, to another victim, Teresa Melissa Dean. Teresa was last seen walking down Lawrence Street near her family's single-wide trailer in Macon, Georgia, at approximately 8 p.m. on August the fifteenth, nineteen ninety-nine. She has never been seen again. She was walking in the road, going to a friend's house to visit some puppies. Ugh. So ninety-nine arrived there. Two thousand
0: and one. Yeah. 2003. Again, I'm grasping at straws, but two years apart every single time
1: in August.
0: In August,
1: and the victims are all very, very close in age. I think they may all be 11 years old.
0: Surely, somebody in law enforcement is way ahead of us on piecing or trying to piece this together, I'm right?
1: Sure. Teresa's mother, she had a boyfriend at the time named Cody Landers, and he lived with them in 1999 he was her fiance at the time but they've broken off their engagement now in October of 2000 Landers was indicted on seven child molestation charges involving two children now he said that he failed a polygraph test which he took voluntarily shortly after Teresa's disappearance, but he claimed that that was because the test was administered improperly.
0: Well, and you, know there's nobody in the country that's going to use a that's going to be able to use a polygraph failure against you in a court of law, right? So, no, is you there, can't use is it. There, is there is there really case. any reason not to take one?
1: Now, there's every
0: reason not to take one. I I would really because my... I would say shit, maybe I'll pass it.
1: No, I would say never agree to take yeah. one. Okay, ever. All right. I think all true crime. People would yeah. agree that you don't take a polygraph. I would never take a polygraph. Okay. If,
0: if I knew I was innocent, still don't agree to take a polygraph. Nope. Don't take a polygraph. But they can't use it against you in court. What difference is it? Does it can't make? help you. It's well, not, okay. It can't no help, way you. It can help you. Okay. I got it. Now right. that makes sense. I got you.
1: So he is going to claim this Cody Landers that he is a suspect in Teresa's case, but the police never actually name him as one. Now he is currently in prison after pleading guilty to child molestation charges, but he's never actually been connected to Teresa's case. I was going
0: to say any indication that he's been to Alabama or was he was a, he was a migrant worker or, or worked in some sort of field where he would end up in Alabama for some reason. I, I guess not. I don't
1: think so. But some investigators do feel that Teresa's case may be connected to the abductions and murders of Heaven Lachey Ross and Shannon Nicole Polk The girl, okay, they were all 11 years old. I said earlier, Uh, I was trying to see, but they are. They were all 11 years old. They all went missing during the month of August from trailer parks where they lived. And there was construction going on near the site of each girl's disappearance. So one of the theories out there is that it's a construction worker or workers who were involved in the case.
0: What was Cody Landers' Uh, profession?
1: I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm curious. But the investigators in that case say he did not have anything to do with her disappearance, but it is a really fishy right. that he was guilty of child molestation. Now I get it. It's I, it's really strange. I don't know if it's someone Well, he knew or... Yeah. I, I don't know. But you, you were onto something when you said... What did you say? A worker, a, mig- migrant. a migrant, somebody, worker, who, somebody travels who travels from place around. to
0: place. I mean, wherever the job is. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you work in if you're in the cement industry or an electrician or you're a roofer, you go where the where the construction projects are. Yep. And so I'm really curious to know what Cody Landers did. But one thing that I have read, and I'm not going to give anything away. I promise, Kelly, you do not have to stab me with the sharpest object you have in your hand. I'm not- but some of, some of the things I've learned in the last few days about some of the research I'm doing for podcasts that we're going to do down the road, John Douglas, the FBI guy that we've mentioned many times, and we will mention again, the, the, the hunter guy, he said it's so frustrating because a lot of times you feel like you've walked right up to the edge of the cliff and you're just about to jump and land on the asshat mm-hmm. that you know did this. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out it wasn't him.
1: Right, well, Cody and Landers- And maybe this is that. Cody Landers is certainly an asshat. Well, yeah. And he's in prison for it. He's he's a lot worse than an asshat. I hope but, he
0: doesn't sue us for libel for saying that, but maybe he actually is an asshat.
1: Well, he's-, he's I don't think he can sue in us inside the prison.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I,
1: he is in prison for child molestation. Good, let
0: him stay there for the rest of his fucking life.
1: According to the resources we are going to put on Excellent. the- uh, But I just,
0: I just, I I could, I read something yesterday, actually, that it was John Douglas's words and I could just feel the frustration in his voice when sometimes a lead, just you think, you know, I've got this guy by the short and curlies. I'm about to put him away for the rest of his life or or plop him down in the electric chair or send him to the gas chamber. And then it turns out, no, he was in California that weekend. We blew it. Or, you know, this just doesn't pan out. And maybe that was this case, or maybe it's not the the jury is literally still out on exactly who committed this crime right
1: mhm uh so just to kind of recap shannon was found deceased 7 weeks after she disappeared heaven lachey ross's remains were not recovered until late december 2006
0: let me ask a question was there That's any 3
1: years after she disappeared 3
0: years later was there any similarities in the way that these three victims became deceased that we can. I think their bodies were too far gone to really give a cause. I understand.
1: So Heaven's and Shannon's murders remain unsolved and there is no hard evidence linking them to Teresa's case. Teresa's case is unsolved as well. It's just, there are many similarities Mm. to those three. And so that's why this team of individuals seems to think there may be something to that. Teresa was a student at, at Alexander the Fourth School in 1999. She had previously lived in Bibb County, Georgia. And, of course, authorities believed that foul play was involved mm-hmm. in her case. And so, I get... Teresa has a page on the Charlie Project. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Charlie Project. Pretend like I'm not. Okay. The Charlie Project is a website that you can go to and they will put information out there on unsolved cases and try to get some answers. Just get the information out there. Well, try to
0: help these We've got victims. the internet working for us now. I mean, mm-hmm. we, now you can project this information and maybe it juggles, uh, jiggles something loose in someone's mind
1: mm-hmm.
0: from 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Oh yeah, I remember this red car or this uh, walker right. being left on the sidewalk or, right. or whatever. The, the And it might, you you start putting enough pieces together and a picture starts to emerge.
1: Right. In 2016, Aaliyah Cole Case Unit started looking into Shannon's case exclusively. They have been gathering all the evidence from all the agencies. They're hoping that advances in technology will be useful to this case.
0: Yeah, so, there's got to be some DNA evidence somewhere.
1: If, you know, remember me saying her body was almost a skeleton. Yes. Complete. You know, yes. Just within... Two months. Right. Because she was out in the woods and and it was I hot. Well, and animals and I don't yeah. want to
0: Yeah. It's yeah. horrible. I but, understand.
1: So they're they're already working uphill, so to speak, mm-hmm. or are against the grain. In February of 2017, a special grand jury of eighteen in Otagua County is selected to serve a six month term for Shannon's case. Within forty eight hours, this is when they announce that the sketch is discounted. That sketch that happened okay. way back right after they
0: do and, the investigation to realize that.
1: And that's when the young girl who at the time was an adult said under oath that she basically concocted the I story to try to help. And yeah. it was she was going off of an encounter that happened sometime before in march of 2018 prosecutor houston asked for more time for the grand jury he says that they've been making progress and they have cleared two or three suspects now to mention a couple of suspects i'll back up just a little bit in august of 2001 August 19th, to be exact. Mm -hmm. Jack Earl Gibson, known as the Root Beer Man, was arrested and indicted on 100 counts of child pornography, including four printed pictures of nude girls. According to Shannon's family, none of them were her. But he was later cleared of Shannon's murder. Okay. he was... Already in enough trouble, he was a sure. horrible individual. But they say that Jack Earl Gibson, he had he was indicted on a hundred counts of child pornography. Good lord! But d- didn't have anything to do with Shannon's murder. As far as evidence, they, there was none there. Yeah, he was also from that area. August twenty fifth, two thousand and one. Ty K. Foster was arrested on unrelated charges of nine counts of sodomy against children, stemming from a months-long investigation. And he was investigated in Shannon's murder, but there was obviously nothing there because there's not been an arrest or probably been one of those
0: examples. Like we talked about earlier where you think, Ooh, maybe we've got, we've got somebody who fits the profile. He seems like that sort of creep who might've done this, but he was out of town. He was somewhere else. It, and for, and for, for whatever, whatever reason, reason, it wasn't him.
1: Right. And yeah. so fast forward back to what I was saying in uh, 2018, prosecutor Houston was asking for more time. He says they're, they've cleared two or three suspects. They want to continue looking into this case and right. to try to get some more information, get to the bottom of it, and that was in 2018. We're in 2022, and here we still
0: four see years it. have passed almost to the day. I mean, within a week, yeah, of the date of these creepy related crimes, all in August, all right before school starts back, mm-hmm. and four years later, and nothing new.
1: Construction going on near these trailer parks. Mm-hmm. All the girls were 11 years old. Um, two of them were in Alabama, one in Macon, Georgia, which is a good ways away, but
0: not But well, not, not really. Bad. What, not a couple not, of hours? Right. If yeah. you Macon's a couple of hours from here. If you well, are, from Prattville.
1: If you worked and you traveled around working. It,
0: that it, wouldn't be too far to go. No. If somebody called and said, hey, you're in Prattville today. I need you in Macon, Georgia. Uh, it's Tuesday. I need you there Thursday morning at 8 a.m. You'd be like, yeah, I got it.
1: And to do a job, you'd pack a bag,
0: drive halfway on Wednesday, get a motel somewhere, and be in Macon the next morning at seven. Right. It's not that far away.
1: Right. Yeah. It's three, three hours. It's three hours. Unfortunately, that is all that I have on the case of 11 year old Shannon.
0: I absolutely, 150% hope that at some point in the future of this podcast, we get to say, hey guys we've got some good news about what happened to Shannon Polk. This I mean, is, there is no good news about what happened to Shannon Polk. You know what I mean, but we maybe justice. some resolution, maybe some yeah. justice, maybe mm-hmm. some maybe some dots have been connected and some final pieces of the puzzle have been found. I would, more than anything, I'm, I'm dead serious when I tell you this, more than anything we have ever done in a year and a half, I hope we get to finish this story. I, know, I, I, I really do. Too.
1: I do too. She I was really really- do sweet little girl. She
0: and wanted she to at- go to her neighbor's house and help her bathe her dog.
1: And she wanted to see puppy. She had me right there. She was Yeah, I know. And she was getting a walker for her nephew yeah. and she was just wanting to hang out with someone in the summer, what every 11-year-old wants to do every summer and some asshole is responsible for why she didn't get to do that and why she's not an adult to this day and I would love To be here in this room with you guys (laughs) and announce the name of the you-know-what that did that to her. Well, if
0: he doesn't get justice in this life, he'll get it in the next
1: one. Absolutely. I want to actually read out my references and give you some information if you were to just come across any kind of information that you might have. So, our references are, of course, the Charlie Project for Teresa's case. Uh, WSFA.com. That's had a, an incredible article. Montgomery TV this. station,
0: I believe. Mm-hmm.
1: Then we have the justice for Shannon Polk Facebook page and the information from this Facebook page. It has a secret witness line PPD. That number is three, three, four, five, nine, five, zero, two, five, nine. Then we have detective Tom Allen PPD. Who is the one I believe is responsible for a lot of the timeline on this Facebook page. Yeah,
0: and he's he's still the the detective who's actively among the other cases, I'm sure that he has. Yes. This he's still keeping this case open. It's on his desk.
1: His direct line is three three four five nine five zero two five six, or you can email him at Tom.allen. T O M dot A L L E N at P-R-A-T-T-V-I-L-L-E-A-L dot gov.
0: Prattville-A-L
1: dot gov. Dot mm-hmm. gov. So then, and you can go on to Facebook and look up Justice for Shannon Polk and check out that Facebook page and see all the information there. See the timeline for yourself. And if there's any information that you just think that you might have, even if you think it's not useful, but you might know something. Give them a call and you don't even have to give your name. You can call that first number that yeah, I gave that, and that's an that anonymous
0: secret. secret line.
1: Yeah. Also, com was a news reference and com was another reference for this case. So I will make sure that Katie has those to put them on our show notes and check out that Facebook page, guys. And let's... Let's figure this out.
0: They do a, an anniversary celebrate not a celebra an anniversary they remembrance. They do, they every remember year Justice for Shannon Polk. They, and they just did it a week ago. They did and in they
1: Prattville. Sit, they do the uh, the floating lanterns. Oh wow. And
0: 22 um, 21 years later they still do it.
1: Shannon Polk today would be 34 years old. Mhm. 34 32 years old. Yeah. 32 years old. Yeah. Today.
0: We can't yeah. bring her back, but let's get her some justice if we can. If, let's you, do. if, you, if you see something, say something. Or Absolutely. If, you, if, you, if you saw something, say something.
1: Absolutely. And I hate to end on such a sad note tonight, but hopefully we can get some answers for this family.
0: There's plenty of people out there trying, and I'm glad that we've added our names to that list. Hopefully, like I said, we will get to come back one day and tell you that this has been yes. uh, solved. Yep more than anything we've ever done I hope we get to solve it or get to announce this that this one has been solved
1: And this family's been hurting for a long time. They need yeah. some answers.
0: Good night That's everybody. Sense.